0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com.
1: And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast.
0: Today we're talking about Minute 114, which begins with the words, Thor will return in the Avengers, and ends with Dr. Selvig asking Nick Fury, this is all unprecedented, isn't it? Once again, it's just myself and Andy for these last five minutes. And Andy, I get to say to you what I've said to so many others: Happy Thursday! It is Thursday.
1: Happy Thursday.
0: <laughs> what is your favorite Thor moment?
1: Oh gosh, you know, as uh, I feel like I should have had this prepared. All of these, I mean, we've been <laughs> doing this for a very long time. But thinking about it, you know, I I feel like, I mean, so many guests have talked about so many great moments. Whether it's Thor arriving in Wakanda, or you know, uh, you know, or I went for the head or just like, just like all these different moments. But I don't know. I guess for me, I find that there's this level of kind of moment of the way that Chris Hemsworth plays kind of the, like the, the emotional, more comedic moments. Mm. And one of the things that always sticks out for me is when he is, uh, he's talking about the infinity stones and he's, uh, you know, talking about the ether. And, uh, this is, you know, toward the beginning of end game when, when they're back at the compound and, and he can't really kind of get his thoughts across because it keeps going to Jane and his brain, like, is, it's like in lost romantic mode. And uh-huh. he's just, like, he just can't talk about any of this important stuff. And I just found that to be so authentic in a character like this to have that moment where he's just like so human and he's just so lost in his own emotions and love and just can't put things together. And, and that to me is like one of the defining um, aspects that we have that they've created with Thor is this, this bigger than life God, but who has these very real human kind of moments. And yeah. so uh, that, that's one moment I'll always go back to.
0: It is a really great one. It's funny, you haven't been thinking about it because I, I'm i the sort of person who I'm so used to, every time we've had a guest on, I've always wanted to be like, oh, that's awesome, my favorite is, and I'd be like, nope, <laughs> can't do this. So I'll just quickly now kind of give my own answer to the question. I think i may going to answer at the very beginning, but there yeah, you get to hear it. That was six it's, months ago. It's the cereal
1: box, isn't it? <laughs>
0: well, I, I do keep mentioning the cereal box, and I want to say that like there's Thorios, which I think has made it as a joke, but I'm not, it may have popped up at some point, but there is a cornflakes box from 2016 that I think was when one of the uh, Venture, I think maybe an Infinity War was coming out I'm not, I'm bad with dates but it has both Thor, actually it's Thor and Hulk on it so it's probably when Ragnarok was coming out hmm. so there was an actual box of cornflakes but no my, my favorite moment and a couple other people have referenced it but it's when Thor post killing Thanos nothing has gone right he's gained a lot of weight He's not taking care of himself, and he realizes that he is still worthy. Um, and it, yeah. it, it, honestly, it made me tear up, and it kind of still makes me tear up, you know, because he can still wield the hammer and, and then the axe. Because, you know, I'm someone who, like, I I eat my feelings, you know. I gained a lot of weight during COVID. I've gained a lot of weight during other periods. And it's so easy to fall into, like, especially looking at these heroes and being like, oh, yeah, they're worthy because they eat right. And they spend eight hours in the gym every day. And, and look at me. I'm just a slob, whatever it is. And so having that character who I really could relate to, not just the eating, but everything about the way he's pushing his friends away, the way he's just trying to isolate, not deal with his problems, um, it, it just, it really hit me so hard. And so, yeah, that, that to me is definitely my favorite Thor moment.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, well, and he's an interesting character. And it's interesting that both of ours are in that same period of his life where he's just, he's kind of so lost, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah.
0: So this minute, you've just seen it at the corner of your eye at the bottom of the screen at the end of the last minute, but now we really see the letters, uh, Thor will return in Avengers. And now this is kind of just, we always see it. Looking back, I I think this was something that it had probably been done before, but I think it had very, very rare where you kind of call your shot of announcing, like, we are definitely going to bring him back in this movie to be made. I, I was trying to remember both, A, how rare was it to do this, but also, B... Was this the announcement? Like, did people already know that the Avengers movie was being made? Or was this kind of the... Were people seeing this and going, oh, my God!
1: Uh, they they knew. Uh, I mean, you know, the stories had already been out. Um, you know, we, we talked about that a little bit like when... Uh, in our minutes where we're talking about Hawkeye and his appearance oh, and how right, yeah. that was a little bit of like, oh yeah, and he's going to be appearing in the movie and stuff. And so it was one of those things where um, they had kind of been making these announcements that all of this stuff was already underway. And it, or, I think it really kind of probably took off after uh, the success of the previous films and they they had the green light. And that's why like these next three films, like this film and Captain America came uh, came out very close in, right. in proximity, you know, and um, whereas um, – and the Avengers just like, it, you know, within a year after that. And so all of this kind of came out very quick because they were all kind of in production at the same – right in that same window of time. And so uh, – Doing this sort of credit, I've always enjoyed it when I see it in movies. It is very rare, to your point. I remember mostly seeing it like in James Bond, when it would say, James Bond will return in mm. Goldeneye or something yeah. like that, I, I, you know, whichever, whichever it was. Like, once they knew, oh, hey, this is going to be our next movie, let's put it there just to kind of wet people's appetites for yeah. for the next one. But yeah, I, I don't – like James Bond is really one of the only times mm-hmm. uh, that I remember uh, really seeing that, and it's funny because you think about it. Like,
0: I think you're right. The news was out there, and probably like the hardcore fans knew. People who were reading like Hollywood Hollywood Insider, things like that knew. I have to imagine, though, especially because this is you know when this movie's made. Twitter's only five years old. TikTok doesn't exist. So we we forget just how much social media has grown just in the last five to ten years. I imagine there were a lot of people who probably saw those words at the end if they stuck around and went, oh, that that's kind of cool. I didn't know that was coming.
1: Yeah. yeah, No, absolutely. I, I definitely think that you're right. Like for a lot of people, they didn't know because, yeah, not everybody is tracking every, all of this stuff all the time. And so for a lot of people, it probably was. And I do recall even still, like with people like me who knew, there still was applause yeah, seeing that text pop up on the screen at the end. It's like, yeah, you know, people get excited about about that. Right.
0: Because it's such a cold shot. You know, I mean, now, now we, we like I remember that it used to be, oh, yeah, this movie is getting made and then it would just never get made, you know, and and now like if an MCU declares they're making a movie, they make that movie 99 times out of 100. But even back then, I assume for some people it would be like, that, that's a pretty audacious thing like that. What if that movie doesn't happen?
1: Yeah, right. Right. I think generally they probably are very wary and own, are only doing that if it's something that they've already gone into production on. Right. Definitely. I mean, that would be my guess, yeah.
0: So let's now – let's kind of review what the timeline has been because I think that this movie obviously is part of this longer ongoing story that we're just trying to get into and over the next – got 20 years of this podcast you're going to be uh, uncovering um but yeah t- talk to us more about like what where are we right now in this overall marvel timeline
1: <laughs> we've talked about this plenty how they really have had to go back and, and do some um rejiggering to make it work because it's it, and even still it's very imperfect like they're the actual timeline that they have this story starts on may uh, probably may 30th uh uh you know of 2010 at this point Um, Bruce Banner is, um, I think that he is on his way back into the U S and heading up to, uh, to find Betty and you have at, at Tony Stark's place, like he and, uh, Rhodey just kind of had the fight at his mansion and uh, where they're kind of blowing stuff up. So, uh, so on the 30th, this is where. Eric flies out to join Jane, and they they do their research. This is also where uh, Thor's coronation is getting ready to happen, and the and the ice giants, uh, the the frost giants, invade. And this is also where Thor, Sif, Loki, and the Warriors Three go to, down to Jotunheim to attack. The thirty first. This is where Odin. Sorry, this is where Thor and his team return to Asgard, and Odin banishes Thor. So this is all May thirty first. Meanwhile, uh, Nick Fury sends Coulson to new mexico and uh and then you have uh bruce Banner arriving in culver university where he finds betty this is also where tony stark uh battles justin hammer and all the drones and Ivan Vanko at the stark expos and then um so all of that is going on on the uh 31st and as we mentioned late that night that's where you have agent colson stopping the armed robbery at the rocks on gas station right on his way to puente antiguo June 1st, this is where um, now Coulson and his team, they're set up here in Punta Antigua, um and they're examining the hammer. And Thor, of course, goes out there, all of that sort of stuff, infiltrates the base, gets himself caught, all of that sort of stuff. Um, meanwhile, um, Fury sends uh, uh, Natasha Romanoff to spy on Bruce Banner. Um, at uh, out at the university at culver and this is where eric gets thor out of uh, of the base and they go drinking and end up crashing on natalie's uh and or sorry in in jane's uh trailer Mm -hmm. on june 2nd this is where sif and the warriors three arrive on on midgard and this is where loki sends the destroyer down to fight them also, this is where Bruce um, and, uh, you know, everything happens at Culver University, where um, where he kind of turns into the Hulk and fights Emil Blonsky, who's been, uh, you know, enhanced. Mm-hmm. And also the, the whole Battle of Puente Antiguo happens here. The whole duel at the Rainbow Bridge, all of this happens here and really kind of the end of this particular story. On the 3rd of June, this is where Nick Fury um, goes to Roswell. And I think this was in one of the comics, and he um, has the, uh, the the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents focus on extraterrestrial defense. Um, meanwhile, Bruce and Betty are hiding out in a small motel after their big battle. And on June 4th, uh, this is the Duel of Harlem, and where they capture, capture Samuel, Samuel Stearns. Jumping forward a couple more days, June 7th, this is where Nick Fury approaches Eric Selvig to join S.H.I.E.L.D. to help them advise studying the Tesseract. So it's only a few days after everything that just transpired transpired in Puente Antiguo. So it's within a week from that. And this this is where we find ourselves right now. So this whole thing, this entire movie, all these different kind of crossovers with all these movies, it's all kind of happening from largely like May 29th through June 7th.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because you think of, like, how much changes, you know, both at the very end of the movie itself and in what we see here in terms of how much more research S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing, the idea that that all happens so quickly is kind of mind-blowing. Um, because I've been watching Star Trek and talking Star Trek a lot where this is also uh, even more of a problem, I, I do need to point out that the way we're doing this in terms of like talking about the days and the exact timing when talking about travel back and forth between – two, like Asgard probably doesn't have a 24-hour day, the calendar being the same in both places – Relativity is a scientific thing. None of this makes any sense whatsoever. I know that's, that's a very right. weird place to draw my line. But I just, for some reason about Star Trek, I've been on a weird kick about, like, the idea that things happen at the same time in one planet and another just makes no sense whatsoever. But moving past that, um, yeah, right. yeah it's yeah, sure, it, just strange to I'm sure
1: on the Star Wars, your Star Wars stuff, I'm sure that you're always running into that. Like, how oh, are yeah. these things? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, all the, like, the faster than light travel. Like, it, it just... Yeah, it, it's yeah. I mean, there at least they'd never tell <laughs> us like what the calendar is. So we don't have any idea. But yeah, like different Tatooine is going to have a different length of a day than Endor and all this kind of stuff.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, All right. Well, that rant put aside. Um. <laughs> so, yeah. So shall we get into the end credit seat itself now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's dig in.
0: So I really love this. I love the way they do this. And I. It's such a like one thing this movie is very good at doing is just within the first two or three seconds telling you exactly what the mood is. And it's you know, you see Eric, everything is dark, everything is shadow. As you said, it's this labyrinthine kind of maze of like shelves and, and, and things. You so immediately understand why this is like why he is so nervous.
1: Yeah, he's coming into this situation. It's, I mean, it's a very, um, moody basement is what it looks like that we're in, you know, very few lights mess everywhere through these different corridors. It definitely feels like, uh, you know, something that they were trying to find the right place to film, you know, because it it just feels very creepy, foreboding. It, it, you know, part of me was wondering, I mean, I know Joss Whedon directed wrote wrote directed and shot this whole thing while he was doing the Avengers. But part of it, because we have Eric here, like I, I I don't know. I guess I'm curious about the timeline. Like when over the course of the Avengers production did this take place or did this take place during the production of Thor and Joss came out and like did they film this in like the basement at like New Mexico State University or something? I, I'm not exactly sure, but it feels very much like a university basement, very dimly lit.
0: Right. Exactly. You hear Nick Fury's voice off screen, and I do wonder, like, at this point, we're still just getting used to the idea of the the post-credit scenes. we would had a couple by now, and I think Nick Fury's in all of them, but I do wonder, you know, how many people, they heard this, that you you now you immediately know it's Sam Jackson, it, it's Nick Fury, but I wonder how many didn't. And then we get what I think is my favorite moment in this minute, because it's just so perfectly done, you know... Eric says this kind of like half laughing, I, I was thinking, they're taking me down here to kill me. And that's a, that's a kind of a verbal tick that humans do a lot, or at least humans in English, at least that I know of do a lot where, you know, it's kind of like your boss, or your partner, your romantic partner says like, we need to talk and. You might sort of say like, oh, wow, it sounds like you're you're going to fire me or you're going to break up with me. And you're kind of saying as a joke, but you're really hoping that they're going to say like, no, of course not. It's about something different. It, you're kind of asking for reassurance without asking for it. And so the fact that he says that and there's this very ominous like done sound and Nick Fury doesn't acknowledge that in any way. Clearly, he's not bringing him down there to kill him, but it was such a brilliant moment of like Nick Fury either – A, intentionally wanting to scare the hell out of him or just showing that he is so uncaring about people around him. He's just so focused on the work that he doesn't even notice how terrified Eric is and Eric wants that reassurance. Either way, it was just so perfect for for setting up this power dynamic, I thought.
1: It really is in this creepy basement. Like the whole thing just feels like – I don't know. I, I, I don't think that I, I don't think of Nick Fury as the person who's going to like do something really dark and ominous just to scare somebody mm-hmm. um, and, and then like kind of laugh about it later. But I don't know. But it seems like he is I because I, I feel like he's just a person who does he just, you know, is far too serious, you know, yeah. and so I I feel like there's just kind of this serious level and he's just not even going to bother with the reassurance. He's just going to get down to business. But part of me makes you know, think in the back of my mind, I think some of it, he might get off on it a little bit.
0: I, I think there's definitely that. I think it's also such a beautiful contrast to Colson. because, you know, Coulson, yeah. like as we talked about, he's kind of like Tony Stark walks all over him and he kind of pushes back and is able to do some stuff. But still, he's kind of treated like a joke, like, a oh, how ridiculous that this government agency wants to do anything in the face of all this power. And then in this movie, he's all like, no, we're the good guys. You want to help us. And I think Nick Fury is the exact opposite. Nick is not – he's not trying to convince Selvig to work for him. He's just saying, like, here's the situation. Here's why we need you. Here's how dangerous this is. And I think it really – I think it really sets up two things. One, why Eric is just completely working for them by the time Avengers starts. But also – Forgive me, spoilers for a 10-year-old movie, you know, a lot of what we find out in Avengers is that Nick Fury has kind of gone into some pretty shadowy stuff in terms of trying to figure out ways to use the Tesseract to make weapons and stuff like that. And so I think this really also sets up, like, all of Coulson's ideology – like, Coulson, I do think, believes that S.H.I.E.L.D. is that good an organization – Nick Fury very much does not. Nick Nick is the Amanda Waller of, of this particular universe and has no problem being that.
1: Well, that's interesting, especially knowing kind of the, the eventual uh, reveal that S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually Hydra. It, it makes me wonder, like, without knowing that S.H.I.E.L.D. is Hydra, how much does Nick still kind of tap into a lot of what I imagine like the Hydra the The people who are working for Hydra, kind of the the mentality that they have of like, yeah. you know, it's it's our right, we get to do what we want, sort of stuff. It fits, it it does fit awfully um, well, kind of with Nick's uh, kind of view of the world in in some capacity.
0: Right. Yeah, and it's interesting. I uh, forgive me for making the Star Wars reference here, but I've always said that one of the worst things in the prequels was when you realize that. Both – like, the, the Count Dooku, the guy who's running the Separatists, is himself actually working for Emperor Palpatine, for, for Palpatine, Darth Sidious, et You have a blank look on your face. I promise to explain what I mean. The, the point is being that, like, I think a movie where someone thinks they are doing the right thing but the point is that, like, they don't recognize that they're doing something terrible – is a lot more interesting than someone who is being manipulated by someone who knows that it's terrible, you know? And like, I kind of like the idea that at this point, the, the the influence of Hydra is subtle enough that, like, because you, you think about that timeline we just read. So basically, like, the fight in Harlem and the fight in New Mexico happened within like 48 hours of each other. You imagine that, like, uh, I mentioned Amelia Waller from DC. She's one of my favorite comic book characters. I think there's very interesting about the the human character who's a government official who's like, look, I've just learned that there's all these much more powerful things in the world, or, or Fury's known about it, but now they're more of a danger. I have to do some pretty dark things because or else we're facing an existential threat. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I think you're right that the Hydra influence is probably part of it, but I... I like the idea that this is mostly just Nick Fury honestly wanting to defend the Earth, but being so terrified by what he's seen that the idea of like, well, this weapon might help us save humanity, but I have a moral compunction against it. That, that's just not where he's going to be right now.
1: Yeah, right, right. No, it's pretty interesting. Very mm-hmm. interesting.
0: I also like that he describes the new, that he talks about everything that just happened as the New Mexico situation. You know, it's just right. so cold and dispassionate and acting like, oh, yeah, you know, we get one of these once a week.
1: Right, it's right. So many different situations that they have to deal with all the time.
0: Right, and then of course that that, that's where it ends with, so you know, Selvig at first is pretty humble about his own skills, which is nice. But then he talks about this being unprecedented, and again, Nick Fury just gives him a look, and it ends with just that wonderful, like very confused look on Eric's face. He's saying, like, isn't it? Like he thinks this is unprecedented, but of course we now know. Of
1: course, there's so much
0: more to Nick. Like this is you know he he met Captain Marvel 20 years ago. He's known about this for a while.
1: The thing that bugs me the most about this particular moment in this minute is when Nick Fury is talking about like, you know, how impressed they are with all the work that that Eric is doing. And again, and I know I keep like driving this point home, especially this week how infuriating i find it that it's not jane right mm. she's the one who who came up with all that work she invited eric to come out and look at it because she had discovered something but he kind of was tagging along right and it, it's again i know it goes to like actors contracts and projects and so many other things that we're just not privy to but again i just can't help but be so infuriated that it's eric who's here yeah not jane in this particular scene
0: there is one way I could see it. And granted, this is, again, 100% headcanon, but I think it fits with what we know, which is that if you remember, like, Jane is very headstrong, and Jane will chase the science. Like, she doesn't care. She'll break people out of hospitals. She'll do whatever she needs to for the science. Eric is much more cautious and... and you know, Eric seems much more willing to defer to authority.
1: But but also to that point, he was the one who was like talking about, oh, S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, these jackbooted thugs. And, and oh, they're, you know, I have all these different friends who have told me all these horror stories about what they do. You don't want to mess with them.
0: Well, but that's kind of what I mean is I feel like if you're Nick Fury, A, that means Eric is going to be much more afraid of you. So if you really put pressure on him, he's much more willing to go along with you, whereas Jane would be kind of a loose cannon. Yeah, But also, isn't then Eric someone you want inside the tent? Like, maybe there's also a, like, I don't want Eric Selvig running around telling people what S.H.I.E.L.D. did. Like, I want him right where I can keep an eye on him and where I can control what he's, who he's talking to. Like, buried deep yeah, in that, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, mountain of laboratories, he's probably not emailing his friends who don't like S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> One well, of whom might have a name like Pym, for example. Right, exactly.
1: <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, there's something to that. Certainly, yeah. it just, yeah, it's it is one of those things. It it, it infuriates me, but I get it. Yeah, yeah. I do. I your your point uh, does make sense.
0: But it would have been nice if we'd had one, like if we'd had just like you know Coulson, like coming up to Nick and being like coming up to Nick Fury and being like, so how is how is Eric working out? And, and him saying something like, yeah, it's going well. You were right. Foster would have been too hard to control. You know, so, something where they yeah. show that they made a decision for story reasons to go with Selvig, not Foster.
1: Exactly. That would have helped. That yeah. would have really helped.
0: Um, all right. Anything else to say on that last minute?
1: Nope. I think that's it. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll consider uh, – we'll, we'll jump into the second half of this uh, post-credits uh, scene in tomorrow's minute, which is our final
0: our final minute we're coming to our end so as always Andy thank you so much for all you do to make this possible to our audience thank you so much have a great day
1: until next time true believers
0: Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM engineering by Andy Nelson this season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer find the show at truestory.fm and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews consider doing that for this show